Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of our podcast. The name of the show is You Are Here. It's a mindfulness podcast that emphasizes being present in our lives. Our goal is to share everyday people's lives, struggles, successes, and aspirations to spread empathy towards one another and learn that our experiences are valid. We're not alone in this world, and there's so much opportunity for kindness and healing that we need to open ourselves up to hearing these stories. We're so glad that you took the time out of your day to spend it with us and our amazing guest today, Zuli. She tells us about her experiences giving back to her community through gardening and how the loss of a child motivated her to practice more holistic approaches to childbirth. We hope to grow bigger and better with each episode, so thank you for joining us on this journey. Remember to stay present and mindful of your surroundings. Take a deep breath in and tell yourself, you are here. You had shared your story with with other people who had asked and you had uh, similar responses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a common thing where there's lack of support or lack of, um, of... of people to hear out your story even just so that you just you know have it out there yeah um, yeah why do you why do you think that is though because that's such a mm-hmm. it's such a unique experience to go through and a traumatic one at that that mm-hmm. to just have people blow it over like it's nothing or it's so common you know mm-hmm. or even I if think- even if it was a common thing it's still like it's not something a lot of people get to experience Right. But then I, I, I hear you, but then I think of, um, even birth, like birth injustices or birth experiences that are traumatic get overlooked because it's like, you have your baby, like it's all good. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so a lot of, um, these traumas, I think in every way we're kind of told to not talk about it and just kind of like keep on going um or um i don't know people are ashamed of it because they they also internalize it as if there's something wrong with their body yeah Um, and sometimes it could act yeah it's a lot of factors it's it's not necessarily there's there's a lot a lot of um, environmental factors that have a lot to do with that too um stress um a lot of things that don't have to do like inherently with the person Um, right right but a lot of shame i think is involved with that and then just embarrassment and um because now i i notice like people who have gone through a lot of often miscarriages they will wait till the very last few months to announce it to folks um wow yeah and so that's a very stressful pregnancy journey (laughs) yeah Um, it's beautiful but it's stressful Mm -hmm. to carry that with you throughout that mm-hmm. what why do you think that is what do you um do you mm-hmm. have an idea or or uh, a thought on where that stems from whether it be the embarrassment or the shame um because of the societal pressure of what i guess a woman is supposed to be able to do which is bear children you know um, um, okay i think that's slowly um kind of leaving these new generations now but i still see it kind of um subconsciously like even though um for example i have a friend who is 
very um, passionate about her work and she doesn't want to have children and all of that. But mm-hmm. that still stems from the fact that um, she was pushed to to see women in a certain way. So she doesn't see, think that she's capable of of being a good mom or of bearing a child and stuff. Um, so it still comes from like this pressure of like us having to be a certain thing or way. Um, it's it's kind of um, yeah. I, I think that's 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 part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I always knew it to be something serious. I had a family member experience that and mm-hmm. kind of witness, um, mm-hmm. witness them struggle through something similar and, and also, uh, almost never fully recover from mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it's something I'm not, intimately familiar with but i I, i've been exposed to it uh growing up but it's yeah that's interesting to hear you say that um that stigma still yeah kind of rests out there and uh, yeah that's a shame but um that that, that is a shame because you know i feel like the more people understand how uh you know body body functions and Mm -hmm. how things are processed i feel like it's things aren't as um uh scary or mm-hmm. um or challenging it's just misunderstood and i feel like yeah. getting past that is important because you know it's just so much easier to to go through to go through things once you fully understand you know mm-hmm. what it is and then you know having having people exposed to that so that way they know how to help uh somebody yeah. going through something like that yeah yeah because it's definitely needed like um as much support as as again as if they gave birth they still need that like those caldos those like warm soups those um, hugs those yeah just a lot of visits um and then just compassion even just you uh, witnessing that and having that compassion like i'm sure energetically she felt that because when you're pregnant, um, you're so open and so many levels. It's, it's, um, amazing. Yeah. Do you, do you think it also comes, um, cause this is something I've, I've, I feel like I've been, uh, seeing more is that the reason why people might be so not even negligent, but just, um, apathetic, to situations like that is just because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they don't even know like the proper response for something mm-hmm. like that. So their go-to is just like, get over it. Um, yeah. It's uncomfortable. Do think, yeah. Do, do you think that might be a uh, play a part into it of just like, I feel like people just don't know sometimes. And so. Mm-hmm. I think definitely. And I've learned that firsthand with um my mom who she doesn't know how to deal with emotions because she doesn't know how to deal with her own emotions or regulate them okay and i'm a very emotional person so when (laughs) she sees me be emotional she's like stop it you don't need to cry and i'm like no i do and then i'm good and um so witnessing that like having that relationship dynamic with my mom um is very much what you just said is just people just don't know because it's like it triggers all these things i'm sure and and you just kind of it's uncomfortable and you don't want to be uncomfortable 
So you're going to do whatever um, pattern you've already kind of cultivated within yourself. So whether that be to run away and, you know, tell them to forget about it and get over it Mm -hmm. or, um, or yeah, sometimes, yeah, just a lot of unhealthy responses, I think, because we don't know how to, how to cope um, and how to be there for, for each other, for one another. But yeah. um, yeah. Is that, is that something that, um, you struggled with was uh, your relationship with your family or is it just something that like you just learned to live with and move past? Um, No, I definitely struggled. And to this day, um, because of, I don't know if you've heard of Gabor Mate. No, he's, um, he's great. You should definitely look him up. Um, I've read a few books, including um, in the realm of hungry ghosts, which talks about addictions um, and it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it just talks about all of, it overlaps again, um, about um, all of our conversations um, that we're having right now. But because of that book, I'm starting to kind of repair my relationship with my parents now, because I used to just, I ran away, I went to college, again, I literally and figuratively ran away. Um, I was a <laughs> runner. <laughs> so I, yeah. And I didn't realize that until way later that um, I couldn't run anymore because I got injured and then I lost my identity. I was like, who am I? I thought I was just this runner and I had to refine myself. Um, and then I realized I was running away from, you know, home. Just just a lot of issues at home that are still alive and well, because um, just I really believe that we all kind of need therapy and we all need to reflect and and really look at um the root of our triggers and our like what what triggers these unhealthy emotions and these patterns and like, mm-hmm. addictions um so and addictions look different you know it's not just drugs it, it's shopping it's um again running away it's yeah. um, all kinds of things um which are developed in utero even or in um early childhood because of how we deal with stress in in our home environment or whatever environment that we're in yeah Um, and so because of all of this now I'm applying it um, at home but they've been super resistant but slowly um, I have to learn to be patient and I have to again because I thought I knew it all for a good while (laughs) and (laughs) I needed to to just I needed a few slaps in the face and just be like yo um, they tried their best they're great people but it's just there there's a lot of trauma a lot of trauma that um, dictates how um, we relate to one another. And um, it's, it's crazy. Um, And, and it's generational too. And so that's why it's super important for me to kind of heal these relationships um, for myself, because now I have a little one and I don't want her to have to carry the the load of um, this generational trauma and all these unhealthy ways of relating and coping with um, our emotions and, anger and um just how we relate to one another in community or lack of community i guess yeah yeah i yeah i i definitely feel that and the the lack of community aspect of things but um i also feel like people are looking for it but they just don't know where to look Mm -hmm. and i feel like the digital space is Mm-hmm. is an easy is an easy way to find community but 
essentially uh in person is more is a, is a healthier mm-hmm. is, is a healthy relationship that you can have with uh, you know your immediate area and being able to get out and you know explore what mm-hmm. there is in your vicinity and just just you know getting out from yeah. that digital space and being more present because i feel like yeah. when you're even you're connected you're not as present as you could be as if you were in a, a face-to-face conversation or mm-hmm. uh, going out to eat or just you know shared experience mm-hmm. um but yeah how long have you um have you been doing uh you were i i, I didn't catch the word that you used for uh the birth um Oh, have I been a doula? Uh, uh, could you repeat that? No worries. A doula? A doula? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, describe that and, and yeah. what approach that takes. So it's it's a birth worker, but a lot of people call it a doula, which is actually kind of a, a derogatory word because it comes from slavery, from um, having Black um, women. Uh, just birth a lot of white women's babies and have to nurse them and all of that. Gotcha. So there's, there's that history there, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's, um, yeah, a lot of people just still use that word and it's the most common one. So that's kind of how I, I share it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been a doula for five years now. Yeah. The little one is like four. Okay. Um, the first little one that I <laughs> assisted. Yeah. So it's relatively new, <laughs> um, but yeah. I hope to become a midwife myself and um, open up a birth center in the garden space that I'm working at. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, just because we grow a lot of herbs that I use for postpartum for all the birth work that I do. And it would just be beautiful because we don't have any birth centers here. I was very fortunate that I got to have my baby at home, but not a lot of people have that capacity. Yeah. Um, And 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 um, (laughs) what is the approach... um, like how how like could you describe the experience or the journey of 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 that birthing as compared to like in in a hospital or something yeah definitely um each birth experience is always going to be um different um but the general experiences that you will be offered um in the hospital for the most part or let's start with the home birth <laughs> At home, um, you are at the comfort of your own home. Mm-hmm. So you will more than likely relax. And that is the ideal um, sensation that you want your body to be in in order to bring baby into this world. Um, we want a relaxed space. We want a peaceful space. Um, again, just bringing in life in that um, energy is going to like set a, a tone for the, you know that baby's life even. Um, but you have the option to do that. You have the option to walk around. You have the option to go in and out of your shower, to be naked, to just anything and everything. Cause it is your home. Yeah. Um, and so we are just there to support you. You call the midwife whenever you're ready. Um, or the doula will, because she'll be keeping track of every, everything and you get to just be in your space, in your headspace, you know, just focusing and, um, just bringing out, um, just your natural surges and just going through the motions of birth. Um, Whereas in a hospital, uh, it could still be a beautiful journey, 
Um, if people still choose to be in the hospital, you know, I'm here to support whatever birth experience and journey you would like. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot more risk for intervention because, again, it is more of it's an emergency space. Um, so people are trained to just kind of, you know, function in a certain way. Um, and medication, medication, medication is always like, you know, that's what they've been taught in medical school. Yeah. So um, they don't know that, you know, I can give you a certain tea or I can give you a certain um back rub i can give you like in order for your pain to go away i can we can do so many things before we need to inject anything um and so it's also just a very cold space in general because you're not in your home you're you're wearing a gown um i don't know that that's necessarily the most comfortable a lot of hospitals do not let you move around there's a certain um pose that I think a lot of people, when they think of birth, that's the pose that they think of, which is an unnatural way of birthing because it goes against gravity. Um, mm. You're pushing a baby up <laughs> versus down. Oh, okay. um, and, <laughs> and every, you know, we don't think about that because again, like it's just a natural, normal, not a natural thing, excuse me. It's a normal status quo. Um, yeah. And that's what we think of as a healthy um, experience, you know? And so also there's a lot of doctors just kind of probing you and there's no need to, you know, the baby's going to come out unless there's um, an emergency, then yes, you know, there's definitely um, need for that. But there's a lot more risk um, of you not getting that um, peaceful experience and journey that you want um, in a hospital because of all the interventions. And then also just the in and outs of um, the team. A lot of people are just going to be in and out, whereas at home you can control who's at home, who's not. Um, yeah. Yeah, just a lot of things. Respect. If you don't have a doula or somebody advocating for you, mm -hmm. um, just the lack of respect. If you are Black, if you are Indigenous, if you do not speak English, your journey is just more than likely not going to be a good experience. Um, mm. And then again, just the cesarean rates, the unnecessary cesarean rates um, are, are kind of um, incredible and they're not needed. Um, and that actually um, disconnects. Um, it's, I don't want to like, so sometimes a cesarean is needed and it's, and it's great and it's um, still beautiful and needed. But for the most part, a lot of, cesareans are not needed and so then that disconnects the mother from their power it disconnects them from their um, innate ability to birth somebody mm. and to go through these experiences and these surges in a natural way um, and so a lot of the times they inject pitocin which is something that um, will kickstart labor like the surges oh. um and they say, you know, yeah, you're going to get to birth quicker. But for the most part, you don't. It kickstarts you wanting to push. It kickstarts these contractions or these surges again. I like to call them oh. surges just because um, a lot of people associate pain with a contraction. And we don't necessarily have to um, channel into pain um, because our pleasure receptors are a lot more um, capable than our pain receptors. But that's like a whole mental thing that we need to work on beforehand. <laughs> um, but so these surges it kickstarts these surges but it doesn't mean that you are going to be comfortable and relaxed and peaceful enough for your body to open because naturally the body is very very smart it's so intelligent that if you're not in a peaceful space 
there's stress, then it recognizes um, the environment to not be safe enough for the baby. And so it's like, you know what? The baby's safe here. Why would I take it out? Like, you know, I don't know what's happening out there. So it it, um, really impedes in in the birth journey, the natural birth journey. Um, And so sometimes, you know, they're not able to dilate and they've been pushing and pushing and pushing and and they get so tired. And um, a lot of the times the hospitals don't want to feed the birthers because they don't want to deal with feces, which is they're in labor. They need to eat a lot constantly but um again for this for like you know um just the nine to five procedures um and to keep it clean uh they don't so then they tire out and so that's when you know we need to give you a cesarean because you're tired you're not going to be able to push we're now we're at risk of xyz um the baby is fatigued Um, a lot of things start to happen really Mm. quickly really quickly as soon as we step foot into the hospital so even if um my clients for example want to birth in a hospital i try to show up um beforehand and we try to wait till the very last minute like the baby's about to be born in the car ride kind of thing so that we just have to do like the real quick you know cool check that baby's great and yeah just to avoid any sort of um interventions just um it's really difficult it sounds like this is more what you do as a doula is more um it, uh, the only word that can come immediately to mind is like warm mm. it's very like 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 you said like communal it feels very like safe it feels very just natural whereas going to a hospital um people would associate with like professional i would assume and mm-hmm. in that i mean more of like uh they don't have to worry about what's going on but in doing that they're sacrificing a lot of you know it's very like informal like here just do the paperwork and you're going to give birth and then we're going to discharge you and it's just very like hey how you doing get out and mm-hmm. that experience doesn't sound conducive to what like a proper healthy uh birthing would would be yes and 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 mm -hmm. i just and it might be like whether it be like media or film and tv Mm -hmm. um it's portrayed as very like clean and like quick Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. yeah whereas um the actual experience i know is very like messy and Mm -hmm. and um lots of fluid (laughs) you know um (laughs) But it, but even though it might be that, it doesn't make it any less of, you know, efficient or natural. I feel like mm-hmm. people's perspectives or like views on it have been really warped by what yeah. we've seen. Definitely, like we get grossed out by periods. Yeah, um, and just like a lot of things, like even us, like ourselves, you know, um, it's it's incredible our own body hair for example our own everything it's it's a really um twisted um yeah it's crazy just we need to work on on um, sharing knowledge um, with each other and stories um you know to kind of normalize these these conversations and it's it's interesting that um the little backstory that you gave on the word doula as to Mm -hmm. like we did it was sought after of like black or indigenous people to be the ones to help deliver 
children um, mm-hmm. during well, these birthings. But like now, yes, <laughs> you know, you're not you don't hear about anything or, you know, no. if it was efficient or safe, even though like this is what we were looking, searching out, uh, you yes. know, we didn't have the resources to look anywhere else. And so we looked there. And now yes. it's almost as if like, oh, we know better. So like we can just mm-hmm. ignore all of those experiences. Right. And I'm so glad you brought that up because it's a trip that um, that's how it used to be. And then now that that's like um, very rarely an experience that um, black and indigenous people um, get to have now because it has to be out of pocket. It's not something that the insurance will cover. Yeah. Um, and then it's also very rare <clears throat> that you'll find a, a midwife that's um, black or indigenous that you'll find a doula even that's black or indigenous but they're still using the rebosos they're still using um these cultural practices of of um helping um, bear children and and support um, birthers so yeah. it's it's really interesting um that whole um dynamic and stuff yeah it's and, and it goes out to to other practices too, whether it be like mm-hmm. medicine or, or yeah. spirituality, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of it's being pulled from indigenous and like black origins, but none of the credibility goes there. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all just, it's, it's like we progress forward, but then we're looking back for this information. Once we get it, we almost activists act of it as if it's like a new thing that we've just discovered even yeah. though it's been around for <laughs> for the longest right permaculture for example yeah that became a whole new um thing how how um how has your journey been in uh in kind of uncovering these these practices and applying them for yourselves and and raising awareness on uh, where they stem from um can you ask me that question one more time so sorry whether it'd be like um you know the the doula or you said you, you do a lot of holistic practices mm-hmm. how's how's your experience been like learning about them and, and like oh, okay. raising awareness about yeah uh, like where they're where they originate from so um i try to practice from well I was learning always from my grandma, um, from my mom, even from uh, my uncles, just a lot of people that knew a lot of plant knowledge or culinary knowledge, even, which is medicine, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, then I started learning, for example, yoga. I got into yoga, but that's not necessarily like my ancestry. I'm Mexican from Yucatan, actually, in Cuba. So it's not like we did. Um, from my mom's side, who's Mayan, there was a sort of like yoga type thing, but I don't know it. Um, and oh, so okay. learning about it, like I try to, I don't use the the words um, that like in in Sanskrit, I don't, I don't necessarily use the words. I just describe it or like downward dog or, you know, or in gotcha. Spanish, because um, that's, that's more of how I teach it in Spanish. Right. Um, <laughs> just because it's like, like it's not my language and I try to tell community always like it comes from this history and it's beautiful and it's great but um you know just to give it just to honor it you know from where it comes from yeah um because it's definitely been extracted and and been um capitalized like crazy so I definitely remember my journey in finding yoga and trying to go to yoga classes and so I remember 
all of that. And I try to think of community and I try to make it accessible. So I do Spanish classes. I do free yoga um, classes at the, at the garden, or I'll just offer that for like my prenatal clients or postpartum um, whenever I'm open and have capacity. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, um, it's important do, from your perspective, what do you think it, it helps um, uh, teach individuals when you, when you bring up the background or like its origin? Mm -hmm. um, curiosity and, and just honoring stuff. Like, you know, be curious of where things come from, like things that we say, things that we believe, things that we practice. Like being curious of where they really come from is really important um, mm -hmm. because, um, again, you're honoring all these like ancestors, all these people before you that did all of this. And it's not, um, it goes back to kind of how we were saying earlier, how people just take away from other cultures and then they bring it into a new product as if it's something new. But it's, it's no, it's old technology. It's old um, ancient languages or um yeah, different practices that have always been practiced, but um, it's important to honor them and to to weave them into our um, ourselves is is beautiful too. But it's like you can't just uh, take ownership over it because um, yeah. that's kind of what we're doing with land. That's what we're doing with women's bodies. That's what we're doing with everything. Um, with everything, oh. you know, just taking ownership. I feel like that's a problem. Definitely, um, that's something that, for example, at the garden that I work at, it's an open garden. So anybody can come in and go out always. There's no lock. Okay. Um, and it's beautiful, but it's also kind of hard because um, people that are gardening there um, still battle this like ownership and this scarcity mindset that like, you know, what they mm. grow is theirs and like, oh no, people are taking it. And it's like, it's a whole acre. We have abundance. <laughs> I get it that like, oh, you know, wow. maybe we were waiting for this to grow. I totally get it. Cause it's essentially your, your baby, you know, a lot of these people are retired and spend a lot of time. Totally get it. But in retrospect and like the bigger picture of things, like how beautiful that somebody took it. Like, that's why we're doing this community garden is to feed those in need. Yeah. Um, and we have to kind of change the idea, at least for myself, in order to deal with this, because it hurts sometimes. <laughs> I have to change <laughs> the idea of like need. So there's people who are hungry and in need, and then there's people who are emotionally in need. And so they have scarcity mindset. So they feel the need to take all this, but that mm. fulfills them. So it's like, okay, cool. It's it's not necessarily a positive, like we're kind of perpetuating a not the healthiest cycle, but like, you know, there's, we can't control that. Um, it's kind of like when you give somebody a need, like a dollar, you know, you can't really control what they're going to do with that dollar, but it's like your intention and um, you're hoping that they do what they need to. Yeah. Um, hopefully. And so that's, that's kind of like how we go about it at the garden because it's all, it's all interrelated again. And it's all seen like, even in how you garden, it's how like we relate to one another and it's how we, um, how we don't share we lack that community aspect um and like we lack how to be there for one another there's there's a, a guy who um has a bunch of kale plants growing for example and he has little starters uh -huh. he has 50 starters um but instead of sharing them with the rest of the garden members and so that we could grow them throughout the whole acre 
he keeps them hidden and then they die and they kind of stress out. So then they're just not going to grow anymore. Um, And, and he'd rather do that than share, you know, and that's just, you know, it's, it's an illness that a lot of us carry still and and we express it in different ways and it's all due to, um, yeah, just capitalism. And again, these ways of not knowing how to relate to one another, how to trust one another. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's really so, interesting. So there's different there's different struggles that you're even seeing uh, manifest mm-hmm. in, in the garden as a result yeah. of like, you know, outside experiences. Mm-hmm. Definitely. There's a lot of um, ageism that we've had to deal with. <laughs> so we have like our elders telling us because I'm a little bit I'm not that young, but I'm like in I'm 31. So an elder looking at me is kind of like, you're still a youngster. Like, what do you know? <laughs> And so there's a lot of like that kind of stuff, which is like, I'm respectful. You definitely know a lot, but I also know stuff just like I know my daughter knows things yeah. like there's, there's this dynamic of sharing knowledge, you know, that we've forgotten. I feel that exchanging of, of wisdom with one another. Um, and then there's also the patriarchy, you know, it's alive and well, even in the garden. Um, I'm a woman and my coworker who we run this, um, we're the coordinators of this um, garden. We're women of color and we're young. And so they very much did not want to do anything that we would ask them or um, try to. Yeah, they just wouldn't listen to us like a lot of these elders at first. It took a lot of um, took a lot of conversations and a lot of conflict. um, And that's something that um, I wanted to touch back up to how you were saying in in, um, social media, how essentially things are romanticized. Yeah. And um, at the garden, well, we have a social media too, and it's beautiful and we're funny, I want to say. So a lot of people romanticize the garden, but they come and we give them like an hour and a half long tour at least because we get into the full like history, but also the dynamics. Because again, the history is important so that we give respects to those who kind of founded it and, you know, Um, but also... um, we talk about the downfalls, we talk about the conflicts, we talk about the realities of what it takes to be in community, what it takes to grow food together. Um, and yeah, just the sharing and exchanging of knowledge and, and all of that stuff, I think is really important. Because again, a lot of people come with this like romanticist, with this romanticized view. Um, and same thing with the birth world too, because now on social media, like you said, everything looks clean, everything looks beautiful. There's music, there's like, you know, the perfect um, camera setting and <laughs> all of that going on. So then that's yeah. what you, experience, you expect. And it's like, no, we need to, like, you know, I need to give you a reality check of what can happen for real, though. <laughs> like, yeah. Hopefully we get this, but this is a reality. Yeah. That and, like, each community in, a, in and of themselves, like, they're not, like, a totem for, like, the ideal version of how things should be. Uh, mm-hmm. experienced you know everything's exactly. going to have their own as long as there's people there's going to be different problems <laughs> yeah you know exactly there's going to be different issues that that come up but that's part of the experience mm-hmm. is you know being willing to go out and you know adapt or cope with with different situations that you're going to be presented with um, mm-hmm. and you know gardening can help with that figuring out why certain plants don't grow or Mm-hmm. you know what uh what crops to yield at a certain time and you know it's 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 conflict solution you gotta go out there to experience it to really 
have an idea of what to expect. Definitely. Definitely. Um, there was a there was a period where I was uh, devoured by like social media, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was just on it all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I started a, a new job somewhere where I was really like exposed to uh, an interaction with different people every day. Mm. And it wasn't until then that I realized like like the, these are real people. <laughs> you know they're like they're living just regular lives uh, they're still exposed to social media but they're not as like dominated by it as, uh-huh. as i was and i was kind of exposed to like all these different viewpoints and just being like like yeah you know like people are just different <laughs> and just yeah. just talking to them about like oh like you know what was your past experience and well you know what kind of brought you to that conclusion or that perspective and then just realizing that same thing, you know, yeah. people, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just like having that conversation of, of understanding where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important. Okay. And I think um, you having the garden is a perfect example of providing space for people to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, I think that's, I think that's awesome. What was the, um, what was the process of starting uh, the communal garden? And how did that, how did that come about? Was it just something of like, oh, I just want to hold space for, for, uh, to grow? Or was it something uh, that you kind of fell into or inherited? It was something I kind of fell into because of, um, we would do um, like reading groups with a few friends uh-huh. and we would read a lot about um, just different things, capitalism <laughs> and just different ways of understanding injustices, I guess. But then we fell into that book of Gabor Mate. And then from there, mm. found addictions. And at the time um, I had a few friends um, that worked in the mental health um, department here for Ventura County. And we got a grant to do a study on Black people and their mental health because there wasn't enough studies on how to, like, help with mental health issues. So, again, the Gabor Mate book, because it's on addictions and all of that stuff. And so what we found was the lack of connection to land after reading Soul Fire Farm, um, this book uh, that Leah Penningham, I believe, um, wrote. It's really great. And um, it actually took us to New York, Albany, um, to go um, experience her farm oh, that wow. she had. We stayed there for a week um, in order to learn just just everything, just how to farm, um, from how to main, uh, maintain our tools to how to uh, maintain chickens, how to process chickens, how to process CSA boxes, veggies, all of that stuff. Um, it was great. Um, and it was a, it was just a black and indigenous people of color um, farm. So uh-huh. then it was a great experience. And we got to talk about a lot of things that we normally don't get to talk about with um, folks um, and experiences and our lack of connection to land um, and all of that. And so we brought all that back to Oxnard. We replicated it 
um, as best we could because <laughs> it was an amazing workshop where we replicated it in a day versus like a week long thing. Oh, wow. So that we could share with everybody here um, at a farm that we used to work at, which was called the Abundant Table. Um, and then, um, yeah, from there, um, I started working at Community Roots Garden because there was a, a friend who worked there previously, but then she was going on to be a junior high uh, teacher. Okay. And um, this job does not pay necessarily like many bills, <laughs> but it's only 10 hours a week that I share um, with uh, my coworker. Um, and we decided to do it together. It's a 20 hour um, job, but we decided 10 and 10 just because, um, again, I, I like to work in collective and I like to work um, in community just because what I bring is different than what she brings. And um, we can work together and bring in more community um, or more create creative ways to um, create the space. And um, yeah, since then, we've kind of just been there um, trying to essentially create the because it's it's under a church. The garden is a ministry under a church okay. and the church is not really functioning. And so that's what we're trying to create into a more like a health clinic oh um, gotcha with a birth center and like just a lot of preventative stuff and just making um health accessible like preventative health accessible to folks that really need it um and making it just free you know um because again the garden is really abundant it's just a matter of um partnering up with folks and um just aligning the right folks um to make it happen mm -hmm. interesting no, that's that that is that is quite the journey. <laughs> how how was it um when you got the grant and you did the research? Um okay. are you able to to disclose like what your findings were or uh... uh yeah, I don't quite it was a few years back, but I just remember it being like lack of connection and it's always kind of relating back to our environment and how we grew up. Uh-huh. Um whether it was like super violent. Um, so then that creates, um, or it harbors like addictions, you know, in order to cope with things in order to run away. Mm. Um, and so then that has a lot to do with our mental health because the imbalances that come with certain addictions, um, which predominantly if you're black, it's meth or crack or all these like really high, um, uh, addictive, uh, drugs. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and they're just readily available in certain communities, you know, because of racism and just the reality of police and um, the relationship of of um, of all of that and just the history of police, too. Um, yeah. it, it's still on and going, you know, all those things. So it's all very interrelated. And we like to blame just like, oh, it's like these old folks. But it's like, no, it's like a deep story as to why they are like how they are right now. Yeah. Um, like homeless folks, there's so many stories. Um, at the bike hub, we we um, help a lot of um, folks that don't necessarily have a place to stay um, uh -huh. to repair their bikes for free, or we either give them a bike so that they're able to go and commute um, because they should be able to. Mm -hmm. um, and so you get to hear a lot of stories too that that kind of um, fall into like addictions or fall into like certain. Uh, needs for connection. There was one guy who was a doctor and he was homeless. Um, oh, wow. But Yeah. But um, he went through a divorce and it was like a whole codependency thing. And again, going back to like connection and 
and um, not knowing how to how to cope and deal with things or um, yeah yeah it, it's it's a trip. So you're even finding yourself through your work at the bike shop uh, mm-hmm. ass- assisting people or providing some sort of community for people to come and and get aid. Yeah. So it, it. It, you're you. Is it something that you just gravitate towards naturally, or you you're just more understanding and you, and you if you see an opportunity to help somebody you try to make one i think it's um because um i've had brothers um go through the school to prison pipeline or seen experiences i guess through uh-huh. close family that i could see why things happened like there was a lack of something like a support in some journey in some part of it. yeah if it's very institutional or it's very um it's really big it's like beyond again i was naive to just be blaming my parents but it's like no they had to work there's no it's hard you know um they yeah. migrated from mexico to a whole nother space so then you know they thought they trusted um you know the u.s to be a certain thing but it's actually you know it's a lot more complicated than than what they thought the dream was yeah yeah, the inner the interconnectedness of a lot of issues, whether it, be, it comes from, um, you know, it's systemic. It touches every every mm-hmm. aspect of our lives now. Yeah, <laughs> and it's uh, and it's 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 shocking that uh, at how much of a of a domino effect it can have in in people's lives. Um, but. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you 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 have a you've had a lot of personal experiences that kind of aligned you into this into this um, work ethic and and uh, goal oriented mindset that you have in helping people. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I think that it was just a lot of um, experiences where I felt a need for support and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, readily accessible or existed <laughs> and so um i'm just constantly trying to find solutions even like within my family um i was always kind of like finding trying to be like they said they were sorry let's go eat <laughs> let's go like just trying to like make the peace and like come on guys like why do we have to be fighting or different things like that so i think it's um it's also a a pattern a learned pattern that that I had since I was little. Hmm. That's a. Uh, that's difficult to deal with growing up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a. Uh, it's difficult. Uh, being the person to. Uh, put that sort of responsibility on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you've you've grown a lot, and that your relationship with your your family is you know still has its issues but it's getting better Mm -hmm. Um, how has that kind of tempered your 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 i guess your emotions towards them or or towards that situation i think just a lot of therapy for myself (laughs) and losing um not having so many expectations for for what it should look like because again, the romanticizing of like what I grew up watching, what a family is, what um, that doesn't even really exist. So, like everybody's, yeah. you know, got some some needs, um, some lacks in their families, and 
maybe toxic and unhealthy things going on. So, um, yeah, it's just also like undoing that, like the expectation of what I want us to be, because again, it doesn't exist. So just being um, content with like the, the shared times that are positive, um, that I don't feel triggered or that I don't like just want to leave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, never, just more of those. Mm-hmm. I've never thought of it that way of like consciously undoing the expectations <laughs> <laughs> that exist there. It's hard, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I could, I could totally see how difficult that would be. Cause you know, can... yeah. mm-hmm. go ahead. No, like, um, it, it it it's true it's you know it's there everybody wants the ideal version everybody wants to feel mm-hmm. safe and comfortable and and like you know they have a a successful peaceful ideal life but it's not always going to be like that but getting mm-hmm. comfortable in that sense uh getting comfortable and not having those expectations is kind of like freeing mm-hmm yeah yeah because it's also like um it's as if i'm expecting because i'm i have some tools and i'm using them i'm expecting my mom to still benefit from the tools that i'm using and it's like she's not using them (laughs) so it's also like losing i mean it's also letting go of that expectation of myself to like hold her accountable to that Um, yeah because it's again it's just like not gonna gonna happen but slowly by like myself um being more understanding and peaceful i feel like it's being reflected back like not you know we're not where i where i would like it to be but um i see it little by little um yeah ideally um when you were younger was there like like you know everybody says like oh when i grow up i want to be this did you have that growing up or what did you see for yourself when you were younger um i don't remember if i had like a specific career choice or like oh like maybe art i wanted to be an artist okay yeah so um yeah i mean i I think Mm -hmm. you're still in the creative space with all the things that you're doing (laughs) (laughs) true yeah yeah gardening i consider is like a little art you get to see it kind of grow yeah so an artist how about now where do you see yourself now and and where your future is taking you um still going to towards that artist thing i would love to just still be an artist (laughs) yeah um, be able to just like paint and stuff um but um, I think I just see myself more in like that um, birth role or like just advocacy. I think just advocacy. I definitely see myself in advocacy is where I've, I've seen the interconnectedness of all of my roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just um, hopefully trying to weave that with art or something. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Is it just, is it art or is it just like creativity 
or being able to express yourself in different no, ways? No, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it's creativity because um, I remember there was a time when I was doing art um, and I was selling some of it and I just kind of dive into various mediums. <laughs> okay. And there was this one guy who's a muralist. He's he's a really good muralist, but I remember him seeing, saying something about you could be a jack of all trades or a master of one. Um, oh. And that's not the whole... That's not the whole quote I looked up. Um, but it, I remember him saying that and that really affected me and being like, damn, am I even an artist or am I just a jack of all these trades? <laughs> but, <laughs> but then I looked at the rest of the quote and it's like, um, you're just kind of, ex- I forgot the rest of it. I think um, you should look it up maybe. But it's, uh-huh. it's something about like, you still get to experience like all these trades, you know, then like you don't have to be a master at them, but you get to experience them, which that's definitely mm. what I'm about. Like, I'm not trying to be a master at anything. Um, I'm just trying to like experience it and share that experience maybe. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that's, it's also pretty wise is the aspect of like trying to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, yeah, I think that's your, your, your experiences as a teacher at work right there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It sounds like everything, you know, everything that you worked for is kind of point is directed you here and you know you're still working working towards those things when it comes to advocacy um is there anything in specific that you're you're really striving for or or want to accomplish um, yeah well, like, um, what are your what are your goals i guess in that uh in that realm yeah i guess my goals are just um for people to see not just people because a lot of people see it already i think it's like more of like the people who make policies and um, make the rules and all that to see the interconnectedness of everything Uh um how one thing affects the other and you can't just like um try to change one thing and it not affect the environment um or it not affect all these other um all these other interrelated um issues Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still trying to find uh, <laughs> kind of what that is too. Um, because again, like if I tell somebody, whenever I tell somebody like where I work, they see it as all very different and specific workspaces. Uh-huh. Um, but I very much see them as one because they're, they all very much um, interconnect with one another. I drop off the veggies at the bike shop that get donated to the houseless folks Um, I get to also drop off diapers and all of that stuff. And then I get to advocate for safer streets for pregnant women and for people that have strollers or disabled folks. Um, And it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's just, I wish it was more clear, like the, the Uh, solution. Yeah. Yeah. And that we could all be a part of it. It's just, you know, whatever niche you got, like, just do something about it. Um, like try to be communal, like try to see how you can share exchange. Um, if you don't have the capacity, but you have the knowledge, share that knowledge, you know? Yeah. Um, because there's also a lot of hoarding that's going on, um, whether it be through resources that we're hoarding and, you know, you don't have the capacity to use them, like share them. 
Um, and it'll benefit everybody, you know, it'll benefit you too. It'll benefit me. It'll benefit everyone. It's, um, that's that again, scarcity mindset or greedy mindset or all those illnesses. I think that we all have, um, kind of embedded inside of us. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. I I think, uh, you know, I, I think the, the most difficult part is like you said, is being able to find the solution or in what you find yourself doing is you know literally creating a solution and creating the space to figure out those solutions and uh you know the perfect i think that's the perfect thing that you can do is you know start off with with the garden and have that reflect what solutions you could find there that can be translated into policy or experiences outside of the garden Mm -hmm. definitely but yeah no i I appreciate you talking to me and sharing your experiences is uh it was very it was very interesting hearing you open up about all of your lived experiences and everything that you're working towards right now and i appreciate you for giving us the time to hear you out well thank you thank you so much for um yeah taking the time to listen to Mm -hmm, and even just doing this it's great yeah do you do you would you do you have any advice or any final words for any of the listeners or what you would want to touch upon um if you're in the oxnard area to just come connect see how we can all um help each other out i think of um of ourselves as like a mycelium you know just sharing resources and um, abundance and stuff so i think that's really important I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there, do you have any social media that you want to plug or shout out? Yeah. Or people can find you or contact you? Yeah, definitely. So there's um, an Instagram. We just have Instagram for all, all my jobs. It's the easiest thing to manage for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, at Community Roots Oxnard is the garden um, that we work at. Okay. And then there is at Oxnard Bike Hub. And then um, at Oxnard Birth Workers Collective is is the other one. Thank, thank you for, so much for hopping on and sharing your your stories with us. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you again for listening to our first episode. We're so glad that you joined us and gave Zuli your time to hear her story. We've made sure to include all of the resources she provided in the description of this episode. We can't wait to hear from more people in our community and to be able to facilitate their stories for you, our listeners. This is only the beginning, and we have so many plans moving forward. We hope you continue to support by listening. And until next time, take a deep breath in, a slow breath out, and tell yourself, you are here. Much love.